Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, Millennial vs. Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same. For more information, visit CourtneyMKing.com slash podcast. Millennial versus Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same thing. Let's jump right into today's conversation. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Millennial versus Machine. As you know, I've got a new book coming out February 1st, 2020, where I teach you exactly what I did to get someone else to pay off my student loan debt. And today, guys, I have a special treat for you. It's not just me talking your ear off for the next 30, 40 minutes, but I actually brought one of my dear friends, clients, and real estate investor, Michelle Martin, on the podcast. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good seeing you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Guys, just briefly, Michelle and I met, how long ago was that, Michelle? So let's see. 24, was it 2014? I think you're right. Early, well, it was early part, I think, of 2014. Yeah, yeah. Michelle w uh, purchased an investment property in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, and um, the people that she was working with had a connection with me, put us together, and the rest is history. <laughs> so, Michelle, I, um, you have such a great story, in my opinion, and as I teach people how to use real estate investing to get someone else to pay off their debt, whether it be student loan debt or any other kind of debt. Um, I immediately thought of you because you have been a successful real estate investor and you invested in the Texas market and you were on the East coast. And so before I kind of dive in uh, to your story some more. I just want to have you introduce yourself, um, like who you are, you know, where are you from, you know, what do you do for a living? And then I'll kind of dive into the question. Okay. So uh, again, my name is Michelle Martin and um, I live in the DC metropolitan area. I like to say I was born in the South, but raised on the East coast. So uh, actually I was born in New Orleans and uh, moved to uh, the DC area as a little girl. Okay. And um, you know, I've, what I do now is I actually run my own um, staffing firm, actually. I have over 20 years of recruiting and staffing experience. And um, actually, after spending about 15 years with uh, my former employer, I decided to branch out. And um, what my company does is we focus on placing job seekers in contract, contract to hire jobs, as well as permanent roles. And... Um, it crosses like multiple disciplines from IT, accounting, finance, administrative, logistics, supply chain. So that keeps me pretty busy, actually. Um, I love it. It, it sounds like it. Um, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the podcast, um, I want you to um, let people know um, about your services and how they can reach you because... Oh. Um, I would love for anybody in my audience that is looking um, to, you know, either to recruit people for their company or to be recruited. Um, right. I'd love them to reach out to you and, and you be a resource for them. And Great. And so we work with job seekers, entry level, mid, um, senior executives. Um, yeah. I mean, real, I was going to say, well, not real estate, but staffing actually um, just had my heart because I really love and love helping people find the right opportunity. So as well as helping our client partners find the right resource for their staffing needs. So it, I, it's like the perfect work for me, you know, instead of doing what I call like social work, so to speak, yeah. I get to help people in, in another way. And that's create a new narrative in a sense. So it's been very fulfilling. As I mentioned, I've been doing it for over 20 years um, on my own for the past five years. It's, it's a lot of work, you know, running your own business, um, yeah. you know, managing 
job seekers as well as uh, client expectations, but it's very, uh, very rewarding. So I love it. The, the, I love seeing your passion about your business, but also one of the things that I've loved to see over the years of us just working together is your passion for real estate. Okay. So tell me about what made you get started in, in investing in real estate. So great question. Um, I don't, I don't know when that started for me as far as like my interest in real estate. Um, I would say maybe like in my late teens, early twenties is really when um, I just was like, I, you know, I want to buy real estate. I know it sounds crazy, but it's like, I want to buy real estate. I want to improve properties. Um, I want to, you know, fix them up. I also want to, you know, earn monies you know, from my investments. Um, actually, I blame Monopoly, the game Monopoly, because I don't know if you've ever played Monopoly, but oh, yeah. as a kid, I was so obsessed with buying up so many properties. <laughs> I loved it when people landed on my property, collecting yeah. my rents. It was like pay up. Yeah. So possibly then is when I really became obsessed with real estate. Um, but, but really, like I said, probably my late teens, early 20s is when I just, I would, I mean, I mean, this is no exaggeration, but I could, you know, be walking down the street and I would just stop and I would notice like the architecture of a building. Yeah. So it was beyond just the buying and the the selling of it. It was noticing the architecture, whether it was the windows, whether it's it was whether the 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 building or the the home was brick. I I was obsessed. I was so obsessed with real estate. And um I was just very fortunate, uh, very fortunate and what is it? 1999. I purchased my first home. Awesome. Actually, my first home. It was a primary residence using a FHA. Okay. So, you know, I was, I think, one year removed from college, and believe it. I, I mean, well, I didn't have a great paying job. You know, to be honest with you, I did not have a great paying job. But FHA allowed me to get into that property with very little money down. Yes. And as they say, the rest is history. Now, let me ask you this. Did you end up turning that primary residence to a rental property later or did you live in it for a while and just... I, so I lived at it. I lived in that property for several years. Okay. Um, very interesting story, actually. And I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Um, so bought the property in 1999. Um, in 2005, I was just very anxious. I was so anxious. I wanted to like truly get into real estate from an investment standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I remember like just everybody and their brother was just, you know, selling their properties and they, and properties were going really quick. I mean, they were making a killing. Okay. And so a realtor at the time I was working with, you know, thought it was a great time to list my property. And we listed this property in August of 2005. Okay. And I remember that time very well because um, Hurricane Katrina hit, as you know. Oh, yeah. Hurricane Katrina hit. And so, um, and mind you, I mean, I'm in the D.C. area. This property was in um, right outside of Washington, D.C. And so we put this property on the market and I'm expecting this property to sell very quickly. I mean, because my neighbor's homes were selling like within like a day, three days. And for two weeks, the property sat, and okay. I was getting nervous because okay. I did not understand. I mean, it's my property. I put a lot of love into it. Totally. Um, childhood friend calls me who's uh, living in New Orleans, and her family has been displaced, and I, I prayed on this, actually. I prayed on this. I didn't know if this was God's way of saying, you want to become a real estate investor? Well, this may be your, your way. And I prayed on it. And um, also, you know, my friend who was, I'd known since we were like six or seven years old, um, we got to talking. I was like, why don't you just come, you know, come up here. Wow. Northern Virginia. And she moved up here with her, with her husband and, and young daughter at the time. And I was able to provide, you know, a place for them to live. And, and so by this point, though, I, I missed a very important part, though. I had already had another home that I had purchased. Okay. So it worked out really well and that I was able to provide this home um, for, I mean, not just anyone. I mean, this was a serious situation that was going on with Hurricane yeah. Katrina. You didn't know when 
you would be able to go back, you know, to, you know, New Orleans or what have you. And so, um, yeah, so the Lord had, I said, the Lord has a funny sense of humor because uh, it took this situation to get me to, to truly begin my real estate investment journey. Oh my gosh. As you share that, and I thank you so much for sharing that, I think in a lot of what I discuss in the book and, and different podcast episodes, I'm focusing on the, you know, get someone else to pay off your student loan debt. Mm -hmm. But as a byproduct of what I'm teaching in the book, you just hit it on the head. We as real estate investors have an opportunity to provide safe um, housing, you know, uh, uh, for example, my properties that I have, I, even though I'm not living there, I treat them as if I would live there, you know, and I'm doing the updates and, and, and keeping doing the regular maintenance. So, because I take pride in the property and I want the tenants to take pride in the property. So as not only are you getting somebody to, you know, um, put money in your pocket in, in terms of monthly rent, as far as what I teach in the book, but you're also giving somebody a place to stay, you know, oh, yeah. and, 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 and a place where they can build these memories with their family and, and all of that good stuff. So mm -hmm. I love, I love that aspect because that was your heart. It's like, you know, you, yeah, you want to make money, but you also have a heart to give somebody a place that's going to help them feel good and live comfortably and, thrive in life. So right. I think that's beautiful. And, and I had no idea that that's really how you got started. <laughs> that's how, that's how, like I said, I mean, I, I prayed, I've been praying, I mean, for, for a long time about really just getting into real estate investing. I just did not, you know, I was, I call it, you know, young and dumb, but I just yeah. wasn't sure like the yeah. path of yeah. how to do it. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's how, you know, that that situation, that incident, um, that devastation allowed me to to essentially, you know, realize my dream, my vision of becoming a real estate investor. So so I know you asked, you know, did I turn that property into an investment property? And and obviously the answer is is yes. So um I used that same property as a it it, it served as um you know an investment for who let's see at least I want to say seven or eight years. Okay. I hold on to that property for about seven or eight years. Beautiful. And yeah. So this, this is great. I, I like that we've built some context um, on your experience as a real estate investor. Um, a lot of the people that I assume is going to be reading the book and listening to this podcast want to get into real estate investing, but they may not either know how or they may not be in a location that allows them to um, purchase something just because of like price points and stuff like right. that. So for you in particular, you came to mind because you live in the DMV area, but yet you started buying property in Texas and then other markets. So yes. um, I want to ask you, what other markets are you um, or have you invested in? And, um, and then we'll follow up with some questions about your team, building a team. So, um, so I, I, I sold the property in the DMV area and um, call me crazy, uh, but in, instead of investing back into or continuing to invest in the DC area, I um, decided that I was going to invest out of state. And a lot of that too was from an economical standpoint. I mean, financial standpoint, you know, we, I live in a very expensive area. I mean, expensive is relative, but you know, to make the numbers work, it just, they just weren't working actually. Totally. So, um, you know, just from my networking and I'll talk to anyone, um, it was brought to my attention that maybe I should look at Dallas. And, and so, you know, I did my research, you know, I am, um, I, I can analyze things to the point where I think I can fall into that analysis paralysis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, there were a few times I had a, a couple of opportunities to, to invest and I got scared. I mean, I'm being honest, I got scared. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, but for some reason I connected with, uh, actually it was a turnkey provider in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
they just made me feel comfortable. They made me feel really comfortable as far as, you know, we'll walk you through every, you know, every bit of the process. We'll show you the work that's being done on the property because mind you, I'd never seen this property, let alone, I, I couldn't even remember the last time I'd visited like the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. So that was, it was a little scary at first. Um, but then they, again, you know, this, the sellers made me feel very comfortable. And, and so I knew in my heart, again, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, uh, but knew that it was the right decision to, to move forward with uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Other markets that I've uh, invested include Jackson, Mississippi. It's something about the South. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> it's something they have about good the deals out there, though, I hear. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And, low, and low taxes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, compared to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and also I'm in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Again, it's something about the South. And I think part of it too, it's just, it's, it's much more affordable than investing in the DC metropolitan area. I mean, I would love to invest in my backyard, but the numbers, again, the numbers just don't make sense for me and what I'm looking to do. So Absolutely. it's been, it's been good though, as an out-of-state investor, I have had, I've had very minimal challenges, if anything, maybe you know, up front. Um, now, of course, with Dallas, it was like a dream come true. My first out-of-state investment here. I'm connected with you and your your company, your property management company. Yeah. And it was like a godsend. Um, just having the right people in place. You know, it was, it's like, I, and I don't think we, I think we were introduced via email. Was that the case? Yeah, I, I we were. It <laughs> yeah, it was an email one day. <laughs> It was via email. And, you know, again, it's like, wow, you know, you're really putting your faith in, in, in people you, you haven't seen. <laughs> and, and, and I love the fact, I love your transparency in terms of saying, yeah, you were scared to invest in a place that you really hadn't been in a while and didn't really know much. But uh, that turnkey provider and had provided you or painted a picture of, of what could be done. And, and for my listeners, um, that are hearing this, a turnkey provider, um, this particular company was an entity that would purchase properties, nice. renovate them, rent them out and sell them already occupied by a tenant to the end user investor. In this case, it was Michelle. Yeah. So just to kind of give people an idea of what a turnkey provider um, means. Now on the contrast uh, to that, you ha also had some challenges with a property manager in, I think it was the Mississippi property or which property did you have some challenges? Well, not so much the property management side of okay. things. It was on the selling side. So, okay. um, yeah, I remember I, I, I laugh or smile about it now, but uh, going through it was uh, very frustrating. I'm uh, putting that mildly. So I, I bought this property in right outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And um, my plan was to hold on to that property for a number of years, like I've done with most of my properties. Um, however, I guess after, you know, much thought, I decided, you know, that um, it didn't make sense to hold on to the property. So I think it was within a year, I decided to, to list it. So actually the agent who, um, had helped me purchase that again, had, had not seen the property in person. Okay. Similar to the one in, in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. I had not seen this particular property in person. I got video and pictures and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided within a year to, to sell that particular property. And um, for all intents and purposes, you know, it was a, you know, cute property, I believe, you know, your standard three bedroom, two bath, bath home. Mm -hmm. And we get an offer fairly quickly, you know, an offer fairly quickly. Yeah. And, and I may be getting my offers mixed up here, but we get an offer very quickly. And I, I, I think the person just decided to just withdraw back out of what have you. So it happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. You know, when you're the seller, it's, it's a little bit annoying. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but you just, you just push through it. So that was offer number one. Um, offer number two, we, we get another offer right away. I mean, this is, it's, it's, you know, I'm excited because I'm like, wow, you know, we've got an offer, another offer already. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that we're, we're getting to the point of, of uh, 
ready to do home inspection. And then something happens there. Something happens there. The buyers, let's just say the potential buyers back out. Mm -hmm. Buyer number three comes through and it's uh, a young woman. This would be her first home, uh -huh. what I remember. And um, there's a financing hiccup. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but there was a financing hiccup. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I'm just, I'm like, what, what is going on here? I mean, obviously people love this home or something, yeah. you know, but what's going on here? So I think I reached out to you at this point and I was just like, you know, Courtney. Oh yeah, like, we were talking. <laughs> like, help me, like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I wasn't sure, and, and I will say this just to kind of slightly digress. Yeah. Sometimes you want to, you know, put blame on other people and it isn't, and it's necessarily, no blame to go around, but I, I was frustrated a little bit with the realtor. I will yeah. admit that um, a little frustrated because I didn't know what was going on. You know, I'm thinking, do I need to make a trip to Jackson, Mississippi? I don't know. Like, what is going on here? Because yeah. um, I think by this point, it's, it's, it's a couple weeks in. So, um, so buyer number three, financing issues. Um, so I'm just frustrated at this point. I'm frustrated. The property is now sitting a little bit and, you know, I'm wondering if maybe I should just go ahead and drop the price because I really want to just offload this property, lack of a better term, just offload this property. And I know, you know, your listeners may be like, well, it's only been a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my, my, my brain is, is thinking what's going on here. Like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm ready to point fingers. Like, why isn't this, you know, why aren't these deals going through? And, and so I dropped the price. I think it was like a few thousand, a few thousand. So it wasn't anything dramatic. Okay. And buyer number three comes back. <laughs> Of course. That's buyer number three happens. comes back. Okay. And I'm, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, what makes this situation different if she had financing issues before? And mm -hmm. so we were able to, to work things out, but uh, I had never had a property with multiple offers. I've had properties with multiple offers, mm -hmm. but multiple offers that did not go through. Yeah. <laughs> did not go through. So it was very, like I said, it was, it was very frustrating. It was, uh, you know, some, some trying times because I mean, and let me back up here. So I, the property had previously been rented. It was, uh, used as a short-term rental. Okay. So now I don't have anyone in the property. So I think, you know, as, as an investor, yes. you know, your property is vacant. There's, yes. there's, there's no, no money's coming in. So that was very frustrating as well, because now Property is vacant. Um, yes, I, I owned it for less than a year, but I did a couple of tweaks to the property, you know, where I, you know, had the property painted um, yeah. and, and maybe some minor tweaks because that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. You know, again, like you said, you want, I look at properties almost like a reflection of myself and, and I, totally. you know, want to make sure that, you know, they're, they show well. And obviously totally. it showed well with the multiple offer situation, but yeah, it just, so yeah. So now, you know, property is vacant. I've put some money into this property. And, and so, you know, again, it's, it's patience. A lot of it is patience. I've, I've, I've been learning this over the last few years. Yeah. Patience. And, um, you know, when the, the third buyer came back and, you know, she was able to, I guess, get her financial or get the financing in order, it worked out very, it worked out. It just Good. worked out. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I remember reaching out to you and just like, Courtney, do you have any other referrals? I, I, I may need another agent. I was talking, I trying to talk you off the ledge. Like there's a, there's a couple of things that I want to extract from here. Okay. Number one is, um, being, like you said, being patient and, and it's no different from the very first property that you bought and your folks from that were displaced by Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm you know, um, that it was an opportunity for them to live there. I, in another podcast episode, I talk about consulting with our creator, right? And he knows even the smallest details of right. when he wants that house to close, who he wants that, uh, who, who he wants to buy that house. And it's no right. different with this Mississippi property as well. Yeah. But and, and I, yeah. And, 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 you know, with the, the third buyer coming back, and I hope I didn't miss any buyers. If I did miss a buyer, then I know your, your listeners would really get a kick out of like, how many, how many offers did you get? Yeah. But with that, that last um, buyer, 
I did feel, I felt like this, I felt that this house was meant for her Got it. for whatever reason. It was there, you know, I couldn't explain it necessarily, but somehow, some way, although there was a little resistance on my part, because I was like, okay, well, what happened, you know, a few weeks ago, she, you know, with the financing. Um, but as I said, you know, we worked it out to where um, she was able to, to close on the property. And uh, I think it's, like I said, it says a lot about, you know, like you said, our our creator and his yeah. his sense of humor. So. Yeah, he, he knows exactly what what uh, what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that story because that leads me like perfectly into the the next part of this talk is building a team, right? So I have been a part of your team here in Texas. I know you've had um, a team at at your Greensboro property, um, also at the Mississippi property. Um, And would you agree your team of real estate professionals can make or break your property or your experience? 1,000%. (laughs) 1,000%. It's it's critical to your, I mean, to, to your success. If you're going to be in, essentially, this is a business. I mean, I it look is. at it, it's like I'm running a business. Yes. I'm, I'm literally running a business. And it, so, you know, for me, um, you know, and I just want to touch on like having, you know, a knowledgeable realtor. So if I could start with that. Let's so do that. As, I was, I was going to ask, I want to kind of highlight each team member that's essential. So yeah, start off with your realtor or your broker. Yeah. So being an out-of-state investor, it's so important to have a realtor that is very knowledgeable of the area that you're looking to invest in. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, investing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I couldn't remember the last time I'd visited Dallas-Fort Worth. It could have been as a, as a child or what have you. And so, um, now mind you, I did work with a turnkey provider. However, they, they, they understood the market. Yes. And um, it was very important that I was working with, you know, trustworthy people, again, people who are knowledgeable of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so when you're not able to see the property, physically see that property, yes, the video is great. Um, pictures are wonderful. I mean, no different than the pictures you see um, on Zillow, Trulia, what have you. Yeah. But it's not the same mm-hmm. when seeing that, pro- that property physically in person. And so there's a lot of trust there. Mm-hmm. with your realtor. Um, so now Jackson, Mississippi, very similar in that I did not see that property in person when okay. I purchased it. Yeah. You know, again, video, pictures, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, of the properties that I've bought, um, the only property out of state that is that I physically have seen in person was the one in Greensboro. And okay. part of that too was because of, of uh, closer proximity. Mm-hmm. Greensboro is about five hours from the the Northern Virginia or DC metropolitan area. So I was physically able to see that property. Um, but I will say this as well, you know, when it comes to, when it, it comes to picking the, the right realtor, yeah. knowledge is obviously important. You know, like I said, you, you need someone who knows the market, mm-hmm. but also to, and like I said, trust is important. Do you connect with that person? Yeah. Um, you know, I talk to anybody and everybody pretty much. So, um, you know, ask around, mm-hmm. you know, it was no different with the Jackson property. Yes. Um, you know, you see, you see realtors, you know, their profiles online, but you know, I mean, I'm in the staffing business for goodness sake. I interview people for a living. Yeah. So interviewing, you know, interviewing them, not just from a knowledge standpoint, but this may sound crazy, but like from a value standpoint, Oh, um, totally. That is important. Yeah. Because, so, because that's, that shows their character as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So value standpoint. And so, you know, those things are important to me. And, you know, I've been, I guess, I mean, I, I know we had the, the little hiccup in, in, in Jackson and I can't yeah. even necessarily, you know, point fingers or blame that, that realtor by any means. It's just, yeah. it was just what it is. But um, I've been, I've been fortunate to work with realtors who, um, really, you know, they want to see you. I don't, you know, I use the term when, but when I say yeah. when, it's not a competition per se, but it's just coming out on top. You, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. That, that truly cares. You know, once you, you, you sit down with them or speak to them about what your goals are mm-hmm. and, and that's where the, the character 
the values come into play. And, and so if they're on board with what you're, you're looking to accomplish, that's, I mean, that's, that's huge right there. Um, now there are times, and I know you and I have talked about this where, yeah. and especially as an investor, well, out of state for me particularly, because I, I can't get out to these places, mm-hmm. it may take me a little bit longer as an investor to decide to pull the plug, so totally. to speak, to decide totally. to make an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where patients come in. You know, there's some realtors, there's some out there who they want boom, 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 quick, quick, quick. They don't want to exactly. work with you for three months. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know what? The I think one of the key indicators to start, correct me if I'm wrong, is a realtor that is very um, quick to respond. Right. Yeah. Even if it's saying, I got your email, I will, I will get back to you as soon as possible, you know? But in my experience, those ones that are quick to respond mm-hmm. and, and also quick to listen to your needs yes. and your wants, those are like the top two things. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It, it shows like they, they, they care. And I, and, and that's important. Like I said, totally. that's important to me, not just, I mean, and we all have to eat, you know, like I said, we all have to eat, but they yeah. genuinely care um, and want to, like I said, to see you successful. They want totally. to see you successful. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. The next kind of key team member that I would say is your mortgage lender or whoever you're using for financing. How has your, how has your experience been with, um, different lenders that you've used and and how did you identify which ones you wanted to work with? So I've, I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate to uh, connect with, um, you know, good mortgage brokers or, or, or lenders. Um, usually that's not usually, that's been my first step before yeah. actually um, reaching out to a realtor. Mm-hmm. Um, the lending piece of it to me is, 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 is number one. Okay. I need to know what is it I can reasonably afford, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, they look at your financials, they go through all of the, you know, the DTI and things of that nature because Here's the thing, and I know I have champagne taste, as my mother likes to say, champagne taste, but if a broker or a lender is not willing to lend you monies on, say, a $300,000 property, mm-hmm. then I, what's, what's, I, I shouldn't be looking at $300,000 properties. Yeah, there's right? a reason. Yeah, there's, there's a, reason. a reason. Yeah. Or $200,000 properties. Yeah. So from a financial standpoint, they're key for me in terms of, where do I need to keep my focus? And also, too, when you're working with lenders, not lenders, I'm sorry, realtors, yeah. they need to know. Yeah. What, you know, what are you targeting? What, what's your budget? And so you're not wasting time. Absolutely. You know, you're not, they're not showing you $200,000 properties when really you should be maybe looking at $100,000 or $150,000 properties. And so for me, the mortgage lender or broker is key for me. Now, how have I connected with them? Um, actually, more uh, more recently, it's been through just networking. Mm-hmm. Um, networking's been 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 really huge um, from that from that end. Actually, I'm working with a, a mortgage broker now um, on my next investment. But it's just, you know, one. I mean, again, similar to your your realtor, someone who is very knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, someone who's responsive, as you've mentioned. Totally. And, and, and just a little sidebar of what I talk about in the book, your realtor also has some awesome connections to lenders. Right. Like, for example, for me, I've worked with quite a few lenders here in Texas, and I have like two main go-tos that I've personally used um, and other clients have used that are just on top of it, killing the game and taking right. care of my clients. So. I, I, um, I love what you said, Michelle, in terms of seeking out the financing piece first before contacting a realtor. And I think realtors do appreciate that. But at the same time, if you are having a hard time finding that um, guidance for, or uh, a, a qualified mortgage broker, then maybe ask the realtor because well, nine times out of 10, we're dealing with these people every day. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and, and that, that turnkey property in, in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, which by the way, I still own, yeah. um, it's, it was the, the turnkey provider that connected me actually with um, the lender. 
that awesome. I've been very fortunate to work with on um, two deals. So it's like you said, it's, it's just, it, it, you know, it, it just depends. Um, but for me, it's been, like I said, pretty smooth sailing, but, you know, knowing, you know, what you can afford, like I said, I, I'm all about, you know, I don't want to waste someone's time out there. You know, it, this is not a hot, you know, realtors showing you properties that's not a hobby for them this is their their livelihood their business you're so. you're, pre you're preaching over there now <laughs> <laughs> well i mean but you understand i mean yeah, totally investor or or looking for your primary residence or what have you yeah so you gotta have a clear picture of what you truly you know can afford and and what you know what monies you'll need to put down on this property and, and all the maintenance aspects so um Totally. I think lenders and, and, and brokers are, are, are really, really good, you know, for I, that. I may be reaching out to you for your referral because I have a feeling that people listening to this are going to be like, wait a minute, who does she use? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will be asking you for that contact. Um, the last one or two people on the team, which almost could be one team or one member of the team is the dreaded property manager. And I say dreaded property manager because honestly, the property management industry has kind of a, a negative you yes. know, vibe to a lot of people. I mean, you, you can go on Facebook and somebody's complaining about their apartment manager or their rental property manager. And yeah. so let's talk about that, which is almost like the top, uh, key component of a team. It actually so, is. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, it, is. It, it is. So tell me about, you know, what you are looking for in a property manager. Um, you know, you and I have worked in, in that space together. So you know how we do business. And so just break down th that down, like what you're looking for there. Well, can I say, can I just say, or ask this? I, I wish I could clone your company. I'm serious. You're so sweet guys. I did I'm, not pay her to say this. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, seriously, because I've told you this before. Yeah. I mean, when I've had, it's like I, I, I go back to you when there's some, some challenge that I'm encountering. And so, and I think that speaks volumes about your professionalism, your knowledge, you know, the, the trust factor, your character, all of that. Um, but you hit it on the nail. And um, again, not to digress here, but I've been talking about project uh, property management quite a bit lately. Okay. And, and, and that's because I've encountered, um, challenge with uh, property in in uh, the Greensboro market and and so yes I just as that term what is it slum landlord, landlord. I, I believe there are slum property management companies unfortunately they are out there and um, but property management is key to your return on investment I cannot stress it stress it stress it enough it is key if there are repair or maintenance issues that go by the wayside, that could really hit you in the pocket hard as an oh. investor. And so, you know, it's, it's when it's time to turn over the property, mm -hmm. you know, you've got, uh, you know, tenants who are, are moving out and now it's time to um, basically, you know, remarket the place for, for new tenants. Um, there are certain things that, and again, it's, it's, maybe it's just me because I, I type A and I'm, I'm very detail oriented, but you know, from like, if, if, if say, you know, caulking needs to be done or say there's broken blinds or there's hole in a wall or something like that. I'm just generalizing just so yeah. your audience knows, but, yeah. uh, but these things potentially could impact your ability to now rent the place out. So if you are not aware of it, again, I keep stressing, I'm an out-of-town investor. So yeah. um, if I am not aware of this or as an out-of-town investor or any investor, you're not aware of these, these um, repair issues, mm -hmm. then your property is sitting there and you have no idea why your property is sitting there because there's no communication going on between you and say the property management company. And so I think it's critical that, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to answer in terms of the, the right, and I say the right or best property management company. Like I said, I've yeah. had you, you know, King Royalty, gosh, you guys were the best. 
Thank the you. <laughs> best. Like I said, she did not pay me to say this. She kept me informed of any maintenance issue, whether it was small yeah. or I don't want to say large, but yeah. you know, maybe not as small. <laughs> um, and I appreciated that. Um, I, I appreciate that. And, and really kind of what you're talking about is the systems that the property management team has. Like your experience with us is you saw, well, you heard about our systems when, you know, we first connected, but then you also saw us executing those systems. Right. So you, since we uh, managed that property, you only had one tenant turnover, right. but you know, as the audience listens to this, you know, just to show you what we did with Michelle is, you know, you got a video and you saw how the property was when they moved out, you know, you got a make ready estimate and you saw item by item, this is how much it's going to cost, you know? Um, and then our systems of just regular communication. And then at the end of the day is our motivation to get that property re-rented as quickly as possible, you know? So, so all of these different systems that your property manager had is really what helped you, number one, not be so anxious about the property, but number two, get the property rented to a quality tenant, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. And I, and I, because I'm serious, I, I wish other property management companies would duplicate that. And maybe there are pro other property management companies that, that do that. Um, but like I said, it's very critical to your return on investment when it comes to to the property itself and okay. and so i appreciated every step of the way um in which king realty works um unfortunately again like i said a lot of property management companies do not operate yeah. in such a manner and and so um i would say if you if you if you can, um, if you, and especially when it comes to out of state investing, mm -hmm. you know, really, sometimes you may have to talk to I don't know ten, twenty, I don't know however many property management companies totally. that you possibly you know can talk to. I know for one property in particular, um, I chose not to keep the existing property management uh, that was in place. Okay, and. I went with another property, full transparent, or another property management company, full transparency. Um, sometimes that saying you get what you pay for is very true. So you <laughs> be careful of, you know, while well, this company is offering a lower, uh, you know, PM fee. Yes. Because um, you're thinking numbers and, and making sure your numbers work. But sometimes that's not always the best option. Totally. Um, totally. And to, like I said, it really does go back to, to, to values. I don't care if a property management company, you know, is managing 600 units or six units. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how you go about managing, like you said, your systems in place. Totally. Are you, um, are you doing what you say yeah. you do? Yeah. That is it. Are you doing what you say you do? And unfortunately, and I don't know if, 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 PMs when they they say oh they see you're an out of state investor that they maybe think that they can just um, let a few things you know slip or what have you, but I'm the type of investor and you know this I mean yeah. we have I have my annual trips to Dallas oh yes <laughs> yeah I I think you're right though I think sometimes there may be companies out there that kind of take advantage of your if you're not local. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, if you guys go to, if the listeners go to, uh, millennialvsmachine.com or even click the link in the show notes, I have a link, um, that has some questions that they can ask of their property manager if they are interviewing different property management companies. Um, so it's, it's all in the questions. And then the last thing, um, with respect to property managers, I also recommend that people contact some, um, some references. So yes. any, anytime somebody's coming to me for property management, I give them like two or three different references of current or past clients that I've managed for because right. that property manager's clients is going to be able to vouch, you know, um, or, or kind of corroborate, I guess, to a degree, the Google reviews or the online reviews uh, of the company. So, um, that's that before we wrap up last thing, is a maintenance or handyman team. And so with my company, 
because we have our own in-house maintenance company, um, it's kind of the property manager and maintenance is all in one team. But I know for some folks out there that um, they're a property management company that they're considering doesn't have their own in-house right. maintenance. Having the right maintenance people is so crucial. And I wanted to kind of get your take on that in terms of selecting or finding um, you know, the right handyman or maintenance people to, to help you. And you hit on that. I hit on a good point. So now when I um, interview property management companies, I do ask if they have an in-house uh, maintenance uh, team because if they've got to call out to such and such plumbing company or such and such, you know, electrician or what have you, I don't want to say it sound, you know, mean or anything, but like, what, what am I hiring you for? You know, but, but, but having an in-house and like you said, I mean, they, they obviously have to provide quality, quality services. Um, and I've been fortunate. So every property um, or property management company that I've utilized have had in-house um, repair people or maintenance staff yeah. to handle you know, sometimes the, I mean, even some of the most, you know, simplest, you know, requests, like the, the I don't want to say it's simple, but the, 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 the vent in the bathroom yes. is not working. And so, you know, for me, a property management company saves me a lot of time, yeah. actually. It saves yeah. me a lot of time. You've got to think about, you know, what is my time worth? Mm -hmm. And regardless, if I was investing in state or out of state, I think it's, it's, it's critical. Who, who wants to get that call at two o'clock in the morning? And I know it, it's, you know, you're like, oh yeah, we hear that all the time. Yeah, right. When I use that rental or use that property in Northern Virginia as a rental, you know, I, I, I self-managed that. Yeah. Now I didn't get calls at two o'clock in the morning, but I'd get that text message really late at night and I really couldn't do anything at that point in time. Now, yeah. a reputable property management company would be able to better handle totally. that. And, and, and some of them have, you know, 24 hours, yeah. you know, uh, repair services. It may cost a little bit more, but still, you have that peace of mind knowing that you've got a solid PM in place. That's, that's exactly what I wanted you to share. But also, I think um, I, I love the fact that you've been so fortunate in having management companies that have, have in-house maintenance team. For my audience out there, believe it or not, there are management companies that don't have in-house maintenance, and therefore they use some other third party. But a lot of times I've seen those other management companies mark up the final invoice. So that's, so just to kind of bring it to down a level uh, of understanding is the benefits of having a management company that has in-house maintenance is they're not marking up what you're, what you're spending on, you know, so if, if it costs $200 for them to send a plumber out there and they're marking it up 10%, you know, right. you're going to be, you're going to be paying more than a company that has their own in-house team. So just right. to clarify that. Right. Um, yeah. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Like we can talk about this literally <laughs> all day. I mean, there's forums online for people's different property management experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, right? right. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share with my audience that are looking to um, find and build a team uh, for, for their real estate investments? Well, I, I will say this too. Um, we've talked about patience quite a bit. Um, don't rush the process. You know, sometimes we want to just boom, just dive into to anything, whether it's real estate investing or something else. And um, it is critical to have the right people in place. You know, it's just, like I said, Practice patience. You know, sometimes folks like, well, I don't know if I have that kind of time. Um, but it can literally save you potentially thousands of dollars having the I, right people in place. I absolutely 100% agree with that. And, and that's the whole focus of this episode. 
So if, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, I don't know if you're big on social media at all. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm getting there with the Instagram and the Twitter and all of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if anybody, yeah. If anybody wants to reach out to you on Instagram or they want to learn more about your company, how would they do that? You are about to have me. I've, I've got to, I'm trying to remember. Like, what okay. is that? my Instagram? I it, think it, it's hilarious that we're having this conversation. Because um, I remember five years ago starting this recruiting and staffing business and we weren't using Instagram. Well, well do you have a website that maybe you could direct people to? I do, I do. But now I was okay. actually going to give you the, um, I, I can share with you several uh, of our social media. So um, the company's name, so it's the Michelle Martin Group. and. Um, I'll give you our Instagram. So it's uh, MMG underscore recruiting. MMG underscore recruiting. Perfect. Um, website would be, you know, www.the-mmgroup.com. So T-H-E hyphen M-M-group.com. I love that. I'm going to tag your social media and your website in the show notes. So if you guys want to um, access those, click to the show notes. I would love for anybody in my audience that, you know, either has recruiting needs, uh, job needs, or just wants to pick Michelle's brain about real estate investing, definitely make sure you follow her. And uh, Michelle, I just thank you so much for getting on here with me um, because as you know, we could literally talk about this all day. Yeah, hours. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time um, to share your experience, um, share what's worked and what hasn't worked and just be a resource to uh, me and, and, and on my audience. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest on your podcast. I really enjoyed my time. Thanks. Absolutely. Well, guys, this has been another episode of Millennial versus Machine. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you go to millennialvsmachine.com or courtneymking.com. It's also tagged in the show notes so that you can hear more episodes of this podcast as well as buy my new book, which is available on Amazon. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit CourtneyMKing.com slash community. And oh, by the way, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And so would your peeps who are looking to get out of student loan debt. Until next time.